Today on Better News Radio with Pastor Ricky Alcantad. It may seem as though evil government has been dealt a death blow only for it to rise again. Right? Death blow, rise again. Nero, dead, someone takes his place. Hitler, dead. With, with, with the, the death of Hitler, has the world finally gotten rid of evil dictator rulers? No, right? Mortal wound, but keeps living. Each time they're defeated, they rise again. Open God, oh my soul, he is strong and he is strong to save. Open God, he's a rock and you hide in place. He's a mighty fortress. As we look back over history, there's some truly atrocious leaders and governments that have inflicted oppression that we can't even imagine. If you think the violations on people's rights have been bad these past few years, an in-depth look at history can offer a helpful perspective. As Pastor Ricky will warn us in today's message, things are going to get bad before the end. But ultimately, God has already secured the victory for His kingdom, and wickedness will be put down. Now let's join Pastor Ricky in the book of Revelation chapter 13, as he begins his message, Obey, 1984, and the Mark of the Beast. Revelation chapter 13. Now, I don't know how much you guys are into the graffiti street art scene. Is that, that I know it's got some, we got some, some, bit, some people really into that. Yeah, the, yeah it's big in, in, in the Czech Republic. In 1990, a sticker began appearing on urban streets. It was black and white with a portrait of a serious face and the word obey on it. Sometimes the word obey appeared by itself. Sometimes overnight, an entire billboard would be painted white and replaced simply with a giant, iconic obey image. This, there was one notable one where there was this major billboard that everyone could see and, and the artist overnight painted it white, giant face on it with the word obey. This was the work of street artist Shepard Ferry, who has been called by some an annoyance, by some a vandal, by some an iconic performance artist. And despite efforts to stop him, Shepard Ferry's work became a movement and obey stickers spread across the United States in the 90s and 2000s. Now, Ferry, people have asked, well, what does that mean? What's the meaning of this obey thing? Ferry has said in different places that the work was in, in, in some sense a protest to the constant messaging of advertising everywhere. The messages in society that people take for granted. Every message saying, drink this drink, watch this show, vote for this candidate, right? And he, he said that his art was meant to make people aware of the constant messages that they were receiving from around them. In fact, that the real message in, in, in much of the media around us is just obey, drink this, do this, vacation here. You know, I, I was thinking about getting a drink. Drink this drink, right? This, this is what he's trying to help us see. He says in his manifesto that the work was to enable people to see clearly something that is right before their eyes. Now, today, our text will enable us to see something clearly that is right before our eyes. 
but something we often miss. Here's the headline. Revelation 13 says that we are being controlled. We are being coerced. We are being influenced, and we don't even know it. We are being pushed to obey without realizing. So the key question of the text is this, who will you obey? Now, I want you to keep that headline in mind because Revelation 13 has some of the most controversial things in Revelation. If you've been wondering, when are we going to get to the beast out of the sea stuff today? When are we going to get to the 666 today? And it's all the more important then for us to understand the context of those things in in context with Revelation. As one of the scholars said, you you can't understand the details of Revelation without understanding the whole of Revelation. So this is going to be really a flyover of of 13 and 14. But I, I hope in that flyover, it will help us get the main message. And then we can endlessly talk about the uh, 666 later. Three sections today. The first, the first beast attack. Revelation 13, verse 1. And I saw a beast rising out of the sea with 10 horns and seven heads, with 10 diadems on its horns, blasphemous names on its heads. And the beast that I saw was like a leopard. Its feet were like a bear's. Its mouth was like a lion's mouth. And to it, the dragon gave his power and his throne and great authority. And one of its heads seemed to have a mortal wound, but its mortal wound was healed. And the whole earth marveled as they followed the beast and they worshiped the dragon for he'd given his authority to the beast. And they worshiped the beast saying, who is like the beast? Who can fight against it? And the beast was given a mouth uttering haughty blasphemous words. And it was allowed to exercise authority for 42 months. It opened its mouth to utter blasphemies against God, blaspheming his name and his dwelling, that is those who dwell in heaven. Also, it was allowed to make war on the saints and to conquer them. And authority was given it over every tribe and people and language and nation and all who dwell on earth will worship it. Now, What do we make of this? Well, remember the chapter 12 was all about the dragon, Satan, warring against God's people. But now he wars against God's people through his agents to whom he gives authority. This this first agent is the beast. And the beast's goal is, verse 14, to get people to worship, uh, sorry, verse 8, to get people to worship the dragon, even though they don't even know that they're doing it. Now, who or what is the beast? I'll tell you. Well, remember this apocalyptic literature, right? So, so it is symbolic. And look at the symbols. The symbols are the leopard, the bear, the lion. They all point to different beasts in Daniel chapter 7. Now, in Daniel chapter 7, it was a list of governing authorities, a succession of governing authorities uh, that God's people would experience. But this beast seems to have characteristics of all of those beasts in one. Uh, if you grew up in the 90s like I did or the 80s, Think of it this way. The be- this beast is like a giant evil Voltron where all the other beasts come together and form this giant, you know, or uh, Power Rangers, anybody? I don't know. 
I, I'm losing my cultural relevance as we speak. What you're meant to see is that all those characteristics are present. So this beast represents, in a sense, the, the culmination in a, of the evil succession of governments in Daniel chapter 7. So this is reinforced in the symbolism of the crowns and revelation representing a ruling or governing authority. So this beast represents the symbolism of evil government and evil rulers arrayed against God. Now, the question, though, is, okay, so a lot of people are like, hey, I'm with you so far. When will the beast come? This is a really important question. Remember that Revelation 12, in a sense, just reset the clock. Revelation 12 took us all the way back to Jesus' incarnation and ascension. Remember that? And the, the dragon is warring against the church. Well, this then is another angle of looking at the dragon's war against the church. Uh, this is the time period between Jesus' life, death, and resurrection and ascension and his eventual return. This is what Jesus called the last days. So some read the beast as being a Roman emperor, maybe Nero. Uh, Jesus, uh, well, sorry, the, some read the beast as being a Roman emperor, probably Nero, but they would acknowledge, okay, well, if it's Nero, it seems like that's just going to be the, Nero is the pattern of rulers that will occur until the end. Or other people say, no, 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 it's not Nero. It's the, the government at the end of history, but leading up to it, we're going to have probably a succession of governments that look more and more like that until the final culminating evil government. And some people say, no, it's just represents evil government between ascension and return. So which is it? Well, there's good textual interpretation kind of clues for any of these, but I don't think any of those three interpretations change the basic meaning of Revelation 13 or its function in the life of the Christian, meaning this. We are to be aware that between Jesus' ascension and return, the dragon will war against the church through evil rulers and governments. The Apostle John warned in one of his letters, children, it is the last hour, and as you have heard that Antichrist is coming, so now many Antichrists have come. Therefore, we know that it is the last hour. What is John saying? John is saying, listen, that there are already people arrayed against Christ that are Antichrist. And they will continue. So this beast arrives between the time of Jesus' ascension and return, first in Nero, but in kind of imaged in every evil government since then, and then probably culminating in one final evil government. But, but there's one detail of the beast that is compelling and interesting and incredibly important. The mortal wound. What does that mean? Now, well, some of it uh, is, is that it's, it's the beast and the second, the first and second beast have aspects that are like Jesus in order to deceive people. But there's another, I think, thing going on with the mortal wound. Um, many scholars place the writing of Revelation after the death of Nero. And, and, and in many ways, the church breathed a sigh of relief, like, oh, thank goodness, Nero's gone We'll never have another evil government like that again, right? 
But in a sense, Revelation is warning, no, it may seem as though evil government has been dealt a death blow only for it to rise again, right? Death blow, rise again. Nero, dead, someone takes his place. Hitler, dead. With with the, the death of Hitler, has the world finally gotten rid of evil dictator rulers? No, right? Mortal wound, but keeps living. Each time they're defeated, they rise again. And look at what he does to the church. It says the beast will persecute the church. Now, some of this is explicit in Revelation 2 and 3, as you've been studying in your community groups. Revelation 2 and 3, there were several churches experiencing active persecution. Some of the believers were in jail. All probably of the apostles of the the 12 in Acts 2 have been killed except for John by this time. So if you want to think of it this way in terms of, of, of geopolitics, this beast represents the hard power, the, the attack power, the governmental power arrayed against the church. Now, I want to cl- clarify something for us in America because we're already like, yeah, we don't like the government either. We started our country getting rid of one government. And so how does this relate to us? Well, obviously for us as Christians, there's some distinctions between the first century and today. Uniquely in world history, really, we have some part in the governance of our country. And so there are good Bible verses helping us to see how a government should function. And we should, in in whatever ways we can, uh, seek to argue for and push for government that is godly and accords with Scripture. But what happens is this. Sometimes Christians will, there'll be Christians over here and the government will be over here and Christians will be like, government, you should do this. And the government will say, no, I'm not going to do that. And then Christians will say, we're being persecuted, right? That's not Romans 13. This is Romans 13. The government over here says, you must do this or die or jail, or whatever, and over here, Christians must say, no, we will not. That, now there's other parts, you know, again, Romans 13, other sections that govern how Christians should advocate that their government operate. Romans 13 is about the government forcing Christians to do things, and especially in view, is denying their faith in Jesus, right? This, sadly, is the norm for many Christians in countries around the world. Pastors in China, jailed, that disappear. Pastors in parts of India, attacked under and endorsed by the local governments. Pastors in Africa, beheaded. Pastors in the Middle East, persecuted or killed. And this is not, I don't think, the predominant type of attack against the church in America right now. I think there's another one, which is the second one. But we must be prepared for this. Revelation, I think, lays out that the norm for Christians is that government will often be opposed to them in their faith. What we have enjoyed in America is an aberration, not the norm. And so what we have to do is we have to, as Christians, we have to be prepared. We must be prepared to lose our money, 
to lose our freedom, to lose our jobs, to lose our lives. We must prepare our kids for the same. And you may be thinking, okay, does Ricky have some inside information, something coming down the pike? I know we got some government people here. No, I don't think we're on the verge of being rounded up and detained in the desert. But I do think often as Christians, this isn't even a functional category for me. It's almost like, what, well, man, if, if the government's telling me to do this and, and it's against my faith, then I must be doing something wrong. And Revelation says, no, cling to your faith in Jesus. This will be a pattern. What should our response be? Well, the, the call is explicit. It says, if, verse 9, if anyone has an ear, let him hear. If anyone is to be taken captive, to captivity he goes. If anyone is to be slain with the sword, with the sword he must be slain. And here's the call. Here is a call for the endurance and faith of the saints. The call, as we see the beast, as we see the attack, is this. Endure in faith in Christ. This is what we saw in Revelation 11 with the witnesses. The pattern is this. We follow the lamb who conquers by his slaying. The church follows the lamb and conquers even in their slaying. We must endure at times even deadly attack. Look, this is the way I I think about it, right? For us in America, um, my granddad was he, he was a general contractor. He did all kinds of things. He was always working with his hands. But if you shook my granddad's hand, or if he, I remember as a kid, he'd hold my hand and kind of lead me somewhere. Okay, Scooter, we're going in the backyard. He would call me Scooter because he was from the South and they just make up crazy names. And so Scooter, we're going to the South. And his hand felt different than other people. His hand had calluses on it. You know what I'm saying? Like these are hands that have been worked and cracked and repaired over and over and over again, torn up and, and split and healed over. And so when he gripped your hand, and he had quite a grip too, it felt different. This is, if I could sum up in a picture what I think this is calling us to do as Americans, we as Americans need to get more calloused hands when it comes to following Jesus. In our grip on Christ... We're often like, the, the rope starts to pull a little bit. We're like, ah, I'm getting a rope burn. Ha ha, the government, I don't think they like me, right? And, and Revelation 13 is like, look, man, expect it. Don't be surprised by it. And the way you prepare for it is by tightening your grip on Jesus and saying, whatever, Lord, your will be done. If my money goes, if my job goes, if my freedom goes, if whatever goes, my grip on you is here. And when things get hard in life, that's when you develop the calloused hand of faith. That's when you say over and over again, Jesus is my life. And there is hope though. There is hope because it feels like the beast is inevitable and unstoppable. But the people of the lamb, it says in verse 8b, everyone whose name has not been written before the foundation of the world in the book of life of the lamb who was slain. So what does that mean? It means that there are people of the lamb who have their names written before the foundation of the world in the book of life. And that means this, that the beast's reign seems secure. His grip on the world seems secure, but the lamb's grip on his people is far more secure. The people who hold tightly to the lamb look up to find that it is the lamb holding tightly to them. That's the first beast. Second beast, deception. 
verse 11. Then I saw another beast rising out of the earth. It had two horns like a lamb. Aw. And it spoke like a dragon. It exercises all the authority of the first beast in its presence and makes the earth and its habitants worship the first beast whose mortal wound was healed. It performs great signs, even making fire come down from heaven to earth in front of people. And by the signs that it is allowed to work in the presence of the beast, it deceives those who dwell on the earth, telling them to make an image for the beast that was wounded by the sword and yet lived. And it was allowed to give breath to the image of the beast so that the image of the beast might even speak and might cause those who would not worship the image of the beast to be slain. And also, it causes all, both small and great, both rich and poor, both slave, free and slave, to be marked on the right hand and on the forehead so that no one can buy or sell unless he has the mark that is the name of the beast or the number of its name. All right, guys, we're into it now. This is the stuff. Now, this beast, what do we, what do we see here? This beast is different from the first. We see immediately in its introduction, I pause there, that it looked kind of like a lamb. It looked almost a little bit like Jesus. It looked kind. It looked harmless. But come close and you hear from within it the voice of a dragon. This is a beast of deception. This is a, in some sense, a religious beast. It's actions point people to worship the first beast. And it can do amazing things with demonic power. And if the original audience were reading this, they would have been thinking, that sounds familiar. It sounds like the imperial cult. Because in Asia Minor, uh, the Roman, sort of celebrating the Roman government and Roman rule was a big thing. The cities in Asia Minor would compete for who could build a work to the new emperor. There was a, it was a worship cult around the emperor that, that perhaps wasn't exactly explicit that everybody had to participate in worshiping the emperor, but they worked the cities so that if you weren't there worshiping the emperor, you stood out. So that if you weren't there, well, maybe next week, nobody wants to buy goods from you. Maybe next week, the social invitations dry up. In other words, nobody's holding a sword to your throat saying, go worship the beast. This beast is like, come on, everyone's doing it. Everyone's here. And you're like, oh, that little lamb looks so sweet. Let's follow it, right? That's this beast. Now, in the original day, there would be literal idol statues, but Scripture sees that idolatry is really anytime we put something or someone in the place of God in our heart. When we make something the source of our affection and joy and hope and future, when we obey it absolutely and fully. Open God, oh my soul, He is strong and He is strong to save. There's much more that Pastor Ricky would like to share with you, but we've run out of time for today. This has been another edition of Better News Radio, a ministry of Cross of Grace Church in El Paso, Texas. Pastor Ricky will continue teaching from the book of Revelation next time. For more information about this ministry or about what you've heard today, feel free to send us an email at radio at crossofgraceradio.com. 
If you'd rather make a phone call, you can do that too. Our phone number is 915-562-7100. We'd be happy to help you. Again, that number to call is 915-562-7100. You can also learn more about Better News Radio, Cross of Grace Church, and Pastor Ricky at our website, betternewsradio.com. All of Pastor Ricky's messages through the Bible are available to listen or download for free at betternewsradio.com. Look under the radio tab. If you notice and click on the church tab, you'll also find contact information, driving directions to the church, and details about activities and upcoming events. You'll find all of that at betternewsradio.com. We also encourage you to look us up on Facebook to find some encouraging content for your newsfeed. That's all the time that we have for today, but thanks again for listening. From all of the production team here at Better News Radio, we want to say how happy we are that you took the time to hear from God's Word today. Make plans to learn more from Revelation next time on Better News Radio.